Good morning, church. Okay. All right. Good. You ready for the word? Very good. I'm excited to uh, bring a word to you this morning. I do first have to say that Carrie and I are grandparents again. Yes. My, she is beautiful. Yeah. Um, Micah. God, sorry, I was so focused on my granddaughter, forgot my son. My son Micah and his wife had a, a second daughter, and uh, her, her name is R-U-M-I, Rumi, not Ramai or Rumi. It's Rumi, like this auditorium is Rumi today. Um, Rumi means beautiful and peace. And the middle name is Beck, which means stream. So she is a stream of peace into that home and a stream of beauty that the Lord is sending into that home. Um, we were praying over her health for the past four or five months, just so you know. And uh, the results that we currently have back is she is a perfectly healthy little girl. Uh, there were some current concerns about that, but um, as of right now, she's eating well. She's crying loud. And her older sister, River, who's two, just adores her. And so anyway, Carrie and I are excited. We thought we would share the news with you. And for those that haven't heard, um, Michaela and Lawrence are pregnant. We just really, we're trying to do our part to build the church. So I'm telling these kids, make them. Keep making them. Just bring them. Oh, Father, we come before you today. I thank you for the church we've already had, just the Holy Spirit that has been in this place. I thank you so much, God, for what you've poured out on our young people, our young adults and our teenagers. We understand they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And we just confirm that. We affirm that on their life. God, I ask that you would help us to steward the gifts that you've placed on their life very well here in this house. Help us to celebrate that. God, I thank you that... Over the next 20 minutes during this sermon, <clears throat> God, you're going to just move in our hearts. We just declare that any spirit of witchcraft in the room or online is going to flee in the name of Jesus. You're going to go in Jesus' name. People who have not even realized they've been dealing with witchcraft in their life, they're just going to start to sense a freedom, a stirring in their heart as they hear this sermon today, the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. I hope you got a, a notes paper when you came in today so you can take notes. I'll probably be moving a little quicker than I normally would, so I may not have time to unpack everything, but we will hit all the blanks for you so you uh, can go home at least with as much understanding as possible. <coughs> There is a spiritual attack in our world right now on a topic um, that's really nothing new. It's as, it's as old as time, the attack on this topic. But I think it's been highlighted more significantly over the you know, past couple of years and the, the struggles that we as a world, isn't that crazy to think as a world we're going through some things? You know, sometimes you think, oh, as a family, we're going through something, or as a community, we're going through something, or as a state, if there's massive flooding or earthquakes, or as a nation. But we actually, probably for the first time ever in your life, you get to say, as a world, together, we are going through trauma. You have been. You've been handling it beautifully, by the way. But we all have. We've all experienced some degree, some level of trauma. And one of the attacks on, on culture of today, society globally today, is the spiritual attack on authority. Authority. Like I said, it's nothing new. But if, if, you, if you see it and you notice it today, you'll never again be able to not see it. You'll, you'll, you'll spot it a mile away where the headlines come up or when the, the schools say something or the, you know, the community says something. You're going to start to just notice this whittling away of authority. There has been an attack on the authority of moms and dads. 
being moms and dads? I mean, that's been longer than the past three years. Come on, somebody. Anybody who understands the good old days when mom and dad used to be mom and dad, and that was stable and it made sense, now we don't even know what mom and dad looks like. We don't know if mom and dad are going to be present. I mean, there is an intense attack on fatherhood. Moms, you have your attacks too. Motherhood has been under attack since the Garden of Eden when, I mean, God knew. God knew how to define a woman. He said that a woman was the one that was going to crush the head of a serpent. And since that declaration from our Creator, you women have been under attack. The enemy has been trying to steal your identity, steal the authority that you have as a woman. Yes, as a woman, you have some God-given authority. Can I get a good high-pitched amen? The enemy has revved up assault on the authority of cops in our nation, around the world, of judges in our nation, around the world, the authority of spiritual leaders. I mean, if you've not seen the headlines of spiritual leaders who have made some really stupid mistakes, the enemy is looking for every crack in the door to prove to you that spiritual leaders can't be trusted. Why? Because authority is under attack. Now, in these scenarios, there have been I don't want to give the impression that there's no such thing as bad authority because there is bad authority out there. There is abuse of power. There is abuse of authority. You hear me? I'm not saying that there aren't those cases. I'm saying that when those cases happen and there's an ember of bad authority, Satan will blow on that ember to create a forest fire that impacts an entire population of people. This is why fathers often feel like we have to fight for our validation. We have to fight for the time with our kids or the respect or the honor or even just being seen as somebody substantial in society. Because the enemy will take one little act of crazy, reckless authority and then we get to just smear it over every person that fits that standard. The truth is, the subject of authority has become taboo. I mean, you talk about authority and suddenly you're trying to be like the strong arm of a patriarchal society. You talk about authority in a classroom and suddenly it's the dictator teacher. You talk about authority to your kids and suddenly they think that you're just controlling and manipulative and intimidating. Pastors and leaders, we often shy away from talking about authority for fear of being called spiritually abusive. Can I just keep it real? There are things sometimes that my colleagues should say, but they don't because there has been spiritual abuse and they don't want their congregation to think that they're being spiritually abusive. So instead of really dealing with the topic of authority, they'll shy away and pray that you stay okay in that area. But the truth is, authority is a kingdom principle. Authority has to be spoken from the pulpit in a God-honoring church because it impacts so many areas of our life. I'm not a fan of abusive authority, but we're not talking about abusive authority today. I acknowledge that abusive authority exists, but I'm not talking about that today. So when I say the term authority, we, I just need us to kind of like brush off some baggage, okay? Go ahead and take up a, an invisible piece of paper in your hand. And I want you to mentally just throw on like mud on that paper. And that mud is the names of all those scoundrels who are bad authority in your life, okay? Just throw them on that paper because we're not talking about them. We know it's, it's dirty, We know it's muddy, we know it's messy, we know it's real, but then I need you to crumple that up because we're not talking about that and just toss it behind your shoulder. Good. Good. No, No, don't pick up the paper the person just threw behind you. You can't look and see who they have authority issues with. That's not the purpose of this. Okay, everyone feel lighter now? We can just get that 
There are real cases of bad authority. That's not what we're talking about. I want us to understand that authority matters. And when we step out of authority, we often try to get our way through power. When we don't step into authority and work the system the way authority dictates that we work the system, we try to get what we want through power. And when you expect from power what only flows from authority, you have accessed illegitimate power. Deliverance, restoration, and breakthrough happens by surrendering to and walking in authority. We will never experience freedom or victory beyond our level of submission. I'll say that again. We will never experience breakthrough or freedom beyond our level of submission. Did I just say the S word? I just said the S word. Submission. I know a collective gasp in the room. Submission gets a bad rap too, but submission is not a popular word, but it's always the way to more. You want more freedom, you need more submission. You want more deliverance, you need more submission. You want more peace, submission. You want more joy, more submission. You want more love, more strength, freedom. You want more authority? It happens through more submission. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority was given to him? All. He said, all authority on heaven and earth was given to me. But you know, all authority wasn't given to him until he submitted himself to the cross. Authority flows out of submission. Authority doesn't flow out of power. There's a story in scripture. The sons of Siva tried to cast out a demon. There were people following Paul around and they had watched the apostle Paul cast out demons and do different miracles and works by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible actually tells us that they tried to cast a demon out, and I quote, by Jesus that Paul preaches. So the sons of Siva tried to cast out a demon by Jesus that Paul preaches. Why do they just say by Jesus? Why are they trying to get authority from a second-hand Jesus. By Jesus that Paul preaches. They, they did that. They tried to tap on to Paul's authority because they didn't yet understand that they didn't have the authority. And the demon actually responded, that's my worst nightmare, y'all. <laughs> Trying to cast out a demon and he responds and says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. I don't know why he would talk like he'd had COVID for two weeks. But you... Who are you? That's what he said. That's what the demons responded. They knew Paul. They knew Jesus. But they didn't know these, these cats trying to cast them out. Just because you use a name, Jesus, but you don't use it with the authority of actually being in relationship with him. You can use Jesus as secondhand knowledge all day long, but you don't have the authority to use the name until you come into relationship with Jesus. Authority matters. Everybody's known in hell for something, by the way. Some of us are known in hell for some pretty awful things that we did a long time ago. It's under the blood. Jesus has forgotten about it, but hell hasn't. They will continue to try to leverage your poor decisions. They will continue to try to woo you back into that life, that lifestyle, that addiction, that struggle that you had, the, the cutting, the suicidal tendencies and thoughts, all the things that you're wrestling with, the enemy remembers and he will try to lure you back in but i want to be known in hell for all the right reasons not because i did right things but because i understood the authority that i carry through jesus christ not a secondhand jesus so my topic today is the power of witchcraft i don't know if i've ever really heard a a lot of people talk on witchcraft. 
but I sure had fun writing it. (laughs) If you're not in witchcraft today, you're probably under it. And I know witchcraft, it seems like such a, you know, a sus word. You know, it's like somebody else or another neighborhood or some somebody else down the way. All the teens are like, did he really just say sus? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I can't define it, but it, it really means like suspect. It's like, it seems suspect, the word witchcraft. But uh, I hope to prove to you today that you encounter witchcraft every single day. I'm not talking about the witches with green skin and a long nose and a mole with that single hair coming out or the cauldron cap or, or the broom. You know, I'm not talking about that kind of witch. I'm I'm talking about the witches that some of you are friends with, that you talk to every day, but you don't know they're a witch because they don't know they're a witch. You can be a witch and not know it. You can be a thoughtful witch. You can be a kind witch. In fact, most witches are thoughtful and kind because that's how they get control over you. No, nobody would listen to their murmuring and, and, and their witchery and their spells if they were mean to everybody. They've got to be kind to you so they can get next to you and win your confidence. Some of you in this room are witches. You don't know it, but the Lord's about to set you free. There's a spirit of deliverance setting, settling on this room right now. You've partnered with some things that you didn't intend to, but God is going to be breaking some chains off your heart today. If you're willing, if you're ready, why are we talking about witchcraft in our gifts series? We're in a series called Gifted, and you're like, all right, witchcraft is definitely not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Why are we talking about witchcraft? How does that have anything to do with the gifts? I'll tell you why. Witchcraft often doesn't work in the fruit of the Spirit's. But it is often a faithful companion to the gifts of the Spirit. Witchcraft operates in power rather than authority. A biblical definition of witchcraft, just one of, one of many, is the usurping of authority. If you are against authority, you are in fact involved in witchcraft. Witchcraft is the exertion of your will over another. Now, for some of us, this message might begin to get a little uncomfortable, okay? Don't run. Just listen. Don't fight what I'm saying. Don't make excuses. Just listen. Let, let what God is speaking today do surgery on your heart, okay? Now, I know everyone is afraid to go to the bathroom in the next 15 minutes. You're like, if I stand up, they're going to think I'm a witch. <laughs> Not true. You can go to the bathroom. We'll pause until you return. Witchcraft is the exertion of our will over the will of another. If for, ever, if for any reason you ever find yourself in a church or in a company, in an organization, where you find yourself in complete disagreement with the leadership and those in authority, do yourself a favor and leave. It is painful. It is painful to sit under a leader. People do it all the time, and I don't know why. I don't think I've ever kicked anyone out of our church. Oh, yes, I have. One person years ago, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I will kick you out of this church, by the way, if you hurt kids. I'll tell you that right now. That was the reasoning for that decision. But you can disagree with me all day long. I'm not going to kick you out of this church. Why would I do that? Your disagreement with me, our our different ideas makes us grow. Like iron sharpening iron. I welcome the discussion. I welcome the debate. There are people in this room that believe differently about the end times than I do. They're wrong. (laughs) But it's okay. They... They would say I'm wrong too. But, you know, we can have these types of conversations. Do you know what I'm not at all suggesting that you can't disagree with someone. I'm saying if there is strife in your heart towards the authority figure of this realm, leave. 
It's not okay to show up to work and not fulfill the obligation of your job and collect a paycheck from an employer and act like you're all in and they're paying you to do nothing. That's not okay. That's witchcraft. Oh, I just made it real. You didn't know that was witchcraft, did you? Showing up to collect the paycheck and not fulfilling the obligation and your boss thinks that you are fulfilling that obligation, but you're not. You're being rebellious. You're exerting your will over the will of your employer. That's actually witchcraft, my friends. But I suggest if you can't find submission, a place of submission with your boss, with your parents, so many kids will show up, they'll eat off your table, but they won't submit to your rules. That's witchcraft. The problem is, is if you stay in an organization, in a church, and I, don't, I don't want you to go. I don't think there are any witches here today, by the way. My witch radar is not on. Uh, it's not beeping. I usually can tell third row on the back. No, I'm just kidding. If you do have a problem with me, you've not set up a meeting with me. Um, and usually when people set up a meeting with me and they have a problem with me, they find out that there's just... We've just not managed uh, the misunderstandings well. And so then we get to talk and we, we share a heart with one another. But if you stay in an organization, continuously mistrusting, con continuously disagreeing with, continuously having strife in your heart for the person in authority, and if you stay and become a confidant, or the counselor, or the advisor to other disgruntled people in the organization, you have now made yourself an influence against authority, and you now qualify as the local witch. Consider the lesson of David. David was anointed to be king long before he ever stepped into the position. He had it all. He had the ability, he had the talent, he had the charisma, he had the knowledge, he had the wisdom... But there was another king in place. And David understood the power of witchcraft. He understood what it meant to walk in alignment with authority, even sometimes if they might be wrong. That's a whole other sermon today. But that's a whole other discussion you and I can talk about. There is beauty in submission, even, even when they're making a wrong decision. Because you're held accountable for your level of submission, not for the outcome of what your leader decides. But David, he knew which, what witchcraft was, and he did not lift a hand against Saul. And in a church that flows in the gifts, where everybody prophesies, and everybody has visions, and everybody hears from the voice of the Lord, and God spoke to me through three pancakes and four grapes yesterday, where, you know, just like the Spirit is moving and we hear everything, it, it's easy for us to elevate our individual gifts over authority and alignment in the local body. This is why the subject of witchcraft is so important when you talk about gifts, because here at the Exchange Church, we want to use gifts responsibly. There are four types of authority. I put four levels of authority. I probably chose the wrong word. I don't like the word level. Can you just scratch that out on your notes and write types? There are four types of authority that you need to understand the first point is the word of God is the highest authority. <clears throat> the word of God is the highest authority. And if you don't know that, if you don't believe that, if you've not experienced that truth yet, then you are already highly susceptible to deception. You're highly susceptible to entitlement, to a poverty mentality, to an arrogant and haughty spirit. If you don't know that the word of God is the highest authority, then you don't actually know what you have a right to. Listen, that's a problem in a pandemic. That's a problem at 9.1 inflation. 
If you don't know what God has given you access to as a believer, if you don't know that the word of God actually has higher authority than an inflation rate, that's a problem. Many of us don't understand all the things that we have access to in the kingdom because we look around and we look at the pieces. Greg, I love what you said. We look at the individual piece that we have and we don't understand that there is a higher authority. There is a higher authority that sees the big picture, that it's, it's already figured out over here. We don't have to make certain pieces fit where we think that they should fit. We can actually just trust the higher authority. Understanding that God's word is my highest authority has been the number one thing to correct my behavior through the years, by the way. It has been the number one thing to help me posture myself and position myself for favor in my life. All of your promotion comes from God, by the way. All of your promotion comes from God, but he will always use a man to get it to you. And the Bible will actually tell us how to position ourselves before people. So you, you don't pray for favor, you live for favor. And the Bible teaches you how to live for favor so that you walk in prosperity, that you, you walk in the fullness and the wholeness that God has for you. All of your promotion comes from God, but it will come through a man. So if you have people issues, you will always be poor. If you don't believe me, just go to work tomorrow and try to give yourself a raise. Even if it's God's idea for you to get a raise, he will always use a man or a woman or a new contract to do it. And so your bank account right now is not your limiting factor. Your ability to walk in the authority that this has for you is what's limiting you. The word of God is the highest authority. Now, point number two you have spiritual authority. Pastors, mentors, leaders, parents. If your parents are teaching you the word of God, they are not only your parents, they are your spiritual authority. You also have civil authority. Civil authority is cops, judges, teachers, coaches, employers. And you have familial authority. Not familiar, familial Family, you have authority in family. So moms, dads, grandparents, the elders of your tribe, people that are family. You know, even, even like Aunt Susie, who's not even blood, but that's Aunt Susie. I, for us, it'd be a, a Cheryl, Cheryl Biggs. I know Cheryl and I look alike, but we're actually not related. But she can walk into my home, and she has the authority of a mama to my kids. There are... Authority structures in family, there are authority structures in the civil authority around us, civil interactions, and you have spiritual authority. These are our authorities. Now, we just have to remember always that the word of God is the highest authority. Because you don't violate the highest authority to please a secondary authority. I don't violate the word of God to please my boss. I don't violate the word of God to please a teacher. I don't violate the word of God to please my husband, my wife, my kids. Any authority that's no lower authority can usurp higher authority. That's witchcraft. Are you starting to get an idea of what witchcraft kind of is? Is this helping you today? Well, I, I got to get to my text. Um, just to give you some background on the text, <clears throat> we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. But Samuel was a prophet, and he was the last judge of Israel. And it would be the equivalent to, like, the head of the nation of Israel. Okay, this is, he was a big deal. Samuel was a big deal. Samuel appointed Saul king, and, and Saul did a pretty decent job for a couple years. He did fine. But in this story that we're going to read, Samuel had given Saul instructions to kill all the animals, for war purposes. There was a reason to it. God wanted it done. And Saul went, but Saul came back, and what he had done was not killed all the animals, but he had done this. He had killed most of the animals. The prophet Samuel received a word from the Lord 
that Saul did not obey. Saul walked into the room and Saul was like, what are you talking about? I did exactly what God, the Lord your God wanted me to do. And, and Samuel says, why do I hear the, the sheep blaying? Why do I hear the cows mooing? Why do I hear the, the animals that you were supposed to slay? Why are they calling out to me? And we learn a very important lesson before we even get to our text. And that important lesson is this. Partial obedience is disobedience. Saul saved some of the animals to provide an offering to God. He, his motive may have been good. He was going to provide an offering to God with it. His motive was good. But when he got to Samuel, Samuel said, God doesn't want your sacrifice because you've sacrificed disobediently. Even though he sacrificed animals, he, he was walking in disobedience. And I wonder how many times have you and I given God something he's not asked for? We didn't obey him in this part of our life. It's okay. We'll give a big offering at the church. We'll sacrifice. We'll give a really big offering because we didn't obey this. God doesn't need your misplaced sacrifice. God doesn't need you to pray for 15 hours when he's just simply told you to go to your neighbor's house, knock on the door, and offer them some cookies. Oh, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to the neighbor. That's uncomfortable for me. We don't get to sacrifice our way out of obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. And so we pick up our text in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 20 through 23. <clears throat> and Saul said to Samuel, so Saul's making excuses. He said, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took the plunder. Now he's lying because it wasn't just the people. It was him too. He's trying to blame. He's trying to shift the blame. But listen, anytime there's disobedience, you will always have to be dishonest. If you disobey God or your authority, it will always result in dishonesty. You'll either be dishonest to yourself or be dishonest to someone else. And here Saul's doing it. He said, the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So here's what Samuel said to him. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Verse 23, here's where it gets a little dicey. <clears throat> Dare I say offensive. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord... He has also rejected you from being king. Here we have some key words that are linked together. I want to help you digest this, okay? In the last few minutes that we have, there are some key words that are linked together. Wherever there is rebellion, there is most likely witchcraft. Where there is witchcraft, there is probably stubbornness. Where there is stubbornness, there is probably idolatry. And where you have all four of those things, usually the person is wrapped up in a cloak of rejection. Rebellion, witchcraft, stubbornness, idolatry, rejection. They all go hand in hand. Rebellion, what is rebellion? Rebellion is being disobedient, doing your own thing. Witchcraft is elevating or exerting your will above the will of your authority. Stubbornness. What is stubbornness? Well, it's kind of funny that the word stubborn is in this list. You know, on your notes, you wrote down all of these words and you wrote down rebellion. That seems really bad. Witchcraft. Well, that just seems evil. Uh, then you've got idolatry, thinking of a golden calf. Um, then you've got rejection. Then this word stubbornness. And stubbornness just... You know, everything feels like $5 infractions. Stubbornness feels like a $1.50 infraction. Do you know what I mean? 
Stubbornness just doesn't seem to really be that big of a deal. It, it seems less lethal, less strong, almost brave. Some of us wear the stubborn name tag with such courage and such honor. It's what I call the, the interview biggest weakness. You ever been to an interview and they say, what is your biggest weakness? And you're prepared because you're going to give them a weakness that comes off as a strength and you know it. And you're like, oh, I hadn't thought of that question. What is my biggest weakness? Hmm, I'm going to say stubborn. I'm, I'm a little stubborn. I just, I like things to be done right. And I just, I am so stubborn. I will work past the time you have paid me to work because I'm going to make sure that job gets done. And sometimes it's at the detriment to my own health and my own family. And sometimes I don't even eat dinner because I'm just stubborn. Do you know, that's the inter interview, what I call the interview worst, worst trait. Stubborn. How many, honestly, how many of you would say, I'm stubborn. Let's just be real. I'm stubborn. See, we don't even have any shame right now lifting our hand. I'm stubborn. I know you're, I know you're stubborn. I'm stubborn too. I get it. But, but when compared to rebellion, witchcraft, and idolatry, stubbornness sounds like no big deal, but it is because stubborn people aren't bowing to golden calves. Stubborn people are bowing and worshiping their own opinion. And your opinions are good. You should have some value. I'm not suggesting that any one of us walk out of this room with our head hung low and just kicking our opinions and second guessing our instinct. And no, we, we need to walk in authority, but let's not worship our opinion because when we are stubborn, we worship our opinion. We value our opinion more than getting the insight from people around us. We know from Scripture that not far off in the corner of that room is a broomstick that ain't just used for cleaning a kitchen. It's for witchcraft. Witchcraft is close to stubbornness. People that are highly gifted the gifts of the Spirit, people that are highly gifted in the gifts of the Spirit, they have a weakness for control. The objective of witchcraft, I'm going to go ahead and call for keys because I, I probably need to wrap this up. Though this is a good sermon. I, I may come back and talk about this some more at some point because uh, I don't think we've, we've talked about it enough and I... I hope that I'm letting it kind of just marinate and settle in our spirits because witchcraft is a very real thing. Just because we don't see people with the painted green face or the cauldron hat doesn't mean that witchcraft isn't affecting us very deeply every day. The objective of witchcraft is to intimidate, manipulate, and dominate. It's about exerting your will your desires, your wonderful opinion on everybody else. That's witchcraft. You know the witch's creed. I used to work for a witch. But I'm not calling her a witch. She called herself a witch. She was a verifiable witch. When I was in the Air Force, I was a personnel specialist in the services squadron. And I came on board, I was about 20 years old. And once I got stationed at Lackland Air Force Base, that boss, I, I knew him for a couple of months. He was great, loved him. And then I find out he's being shipped out and I'm getting a new boss. And I found out on the first day that she was a witch. That was like her introduction to me. Hey, I'm a witch. And I'm like, oh, like you're mean? No, I'm a nice witch. Yeah, she, she told me all about her incantations and her spells. And she actually turned out to be a fantastic woman, just very lost. I enjoyed my time with her as a boss. I prayed in tongues in that job more than you can even imagine. 
because there was a witch sitting next to me. But witches have a convention every year. And uh, I don't remember the Saturday. It's either the Saturday before Easter or it's the Saturday before Halloween. I don't remember the Saturday, but they, it's a national convention that they go to. And witches, Wicca, the, the religion Wicca, pe- people that are in the white magic, black magic, dark arts, uh, they will convene. And they will say, there's a whole, you can Google it, although I don't recommend it. You can Google the witches' creed. There's a, there's a whole community of people that just do the witches' creed. And it's a poem. I've read through it. Uh, made me a little uncomfortable because I, in the discerning of spirit, do you remember we talked about that? What sent that poem? That, that poem may sound pretty, but I can see behind the thing. I can see the thing behind the thing. And in the witches' creed, at the very end, they say something that just really hit me in the gut for this sermon. It says, do what you will. Just don't harm anyone. Witchcraft is all about pushing your will, not harming anybody. Be a kind witch. Be a thoughtful witch. Be a considerate witch. But the end result will always be intimidation, manipulation, and domination. Now, it's native to the female species to use manipulation as their witchcraft form. Don't have to. I have known some men that know how to manipulate. Let me tell you. But typically, the innate ability is for a woman to use manipulation in her witchcraft. Men will often use intimidation. Raising your voice, getting angry, putting your foot down. And this is especially harmful in the parent-child dynamic. Hear me. I'm talking to no one else in the room but you. I'm not talking to your mom. I'm not talking to your dad. I'm not talking to your son. I'm not talking to your daughter. I'm talking to you. Acceptance is not something you should have to fight for in a parent-child relationship. If you have to convince someone that you are worthy to be loved, if you have to perform for someone to love you, You have changed the relationship from parent-child to slave-master. If your child has to consistently worry about your intimidation or your manipulation, some of you are like, Pastor, I'm 40 years old and I still worry about that with my mom. I know, I get it. I I see it all the time. Moms don't stop manipulating when their kids turn 18 and leave the house. But if you are a child and you are having to worry about your parents' intimidation or manipulation, you're making your child fight for your acceptance. And it's witchcraft. If I'm your child, I should not have to be good enough to be wanted. Kids, your turn. Listen. Parents are like, yes, thank you. Kids, if you have rejected your parents and rebelled against them using intimidation or manipulation, using loud words or using no words, if you have rebelled against your parents and you are making them fight for your acceptance, it's witchcraft. If I put a roof over your head and food in your belly, I should not have to give you your way to be wanted as a dad. And to force your will on me, it's witchcraft. And I know we all know somebody who's struggling with that and the justification is, but pastor, they mean well. I know their heart. Yes, my mom is controlling and manipulative. Yes, my dad is, is loud and obnoxious and intimidating, but they mean, they mean well. That's fine. Most witches mean well. They don't want to kill you. They want control. They just want the right to control. That's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. That's what we are engaged in, in our homes, in our churches, in our communities. Everyone, everyone is fighting for control. And it's witchcraft. 
maybe we could have a contest of surrender. See who's submitting the most. Who's letting the Lord fight our battles the most. Gossip, where you try to push your opinion of others on me, that's witchcraft. I don't want to hear it. I don't want you to tell me anything about someone if you've not had that conversation with me. I don't want to hear it. It's witchcraft. Unforgiveness is a form of control which leads you right back to witchcraft. A domineering, demeaning personality, witchcraft. Even a, a sweet, demure, innocent victim mentality is disgusting witchcraft. Even your wisdom, your wisdom can be witchcraft if you're not being measured by it as well. If you're letting your wisdom measure everyone else in the room, but you don't have to follow your own wisdom, that's witchcraft. You're just controlling other people with your wisdom. Your wisdom has become a weapon. It's witchcraft. I hope I've painted a picture of witchcraft. Does everyone feel like you know what it means now? So let me, ask, let me answer one more question you may be saying. You may be saying, Pastor, how do I know if I'm a witch? I, I've not been casting any spells, but just tell me now, how do I know if I'm a witch? Anyone want to know? Or anyone like, this has already been too much information for me. Anyone want to know? There's a complex answer. I'll tell you the complex answer first, and I'll tell you the simple answer. The complex answer is this. If you often feel rejected, if you feel like rules don't apply to you or you rarely change your opinion because you always have the best idea in the room, then witchcraft is standing close by. That's the complex answer. The simple answer is this. How do you handle correction? Can your spouse correct you? Can your boss correct you? Can your leader, ministry leader, or a leader in the community, someone on the school, whatever, any leader in your life that you've given a voice into your life, are they afraid to correct you? Because if they're afraid to bring correction to you, there's probably witchcraft going on in your life. But the good news is this, and I promise I'll close. There is a power higher than that of witchcraft. His name is Jesus. You don't have to live in the sin of witchcraft. You don't have to be contaminated by the offense of witchcraft. You can actually be set free. There is deliverance. So today, if you're struggling, you think you might be struggling with witchcraft and you say pastor my heart was in the right place but as you're talking I'm kind of cringing a little bit I'm kind of seeing I'm kind of seeing the trend of witchery in my life and I don't want it there here's what you need to do you need to repent father I, I'm, I'm sorry for partnering with witchcraft I'm sorry for partnering with rebellion I'm sorry for partnering with stubbornness I'm sorry for partnering with idolatry. Uh, God, I take off the cloak of rejection. I repent from it. I turn, I turn from it in Jesus' name. God, I repent. I reject it. I rebuke it. Any spirit that is latched onto me of witchcraft, I, I rebuke you. I have in the past given you authority to take up residence in my life. But I revoke that. I, I'm evicting you. You no longer have authority to be attached to my life. I repent, I rebuke it, and God, I, I ask that you renew my mind. So those are the three simple steps. It's so easy. We have a deliverance program here. We call it renewal. You can go through deliverance. We can help you break free from this stuff if you want. But the truth is it's way easier than you might think. Once you spot it, you got it. Once you see what he's doing in your life, all you got to do is repent from it, reject it, and then replace it with the word of God. God, renew my mind. Renew my mind in the name of Jesus. Fill me with your patience. Fill me with your humility. Fill me with your grace and your peace. 
for other people. You can uproot witchcraft in your life. You can flourish in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you, you can reject the companion that tries to always tag along witchcraft. Will you stand with me today? I just want to pray. I know we're so out of time. I just need to cast off a spirit of witchcraft in the room. Is that all right? No sense in bringing it to the table. No sense in showing you a fancy Christmas meal and not getting a fork and taking a bite. Let's deal with it. You felt a pit in your stomach as I talked about witchcraft. Things were turning. Things were moving. Your heart raced a little bit. Your mind started second-guessing, wondering if you've been carrying this. Some of you in the room have said, that's been the thing. That has instigated the problems in my relationships. You're ready to be free. If that's you, if that's you, let's just do it publicly. Just wave at me. Wave at me, okay? Then put your hand on your gut. There's a lot of, a lot of people struggling with the spirit of witchcraft. Right now, in the name of Jesus... By the authority of Jesus Christ, who gave his life for our freedom. I speak to every spirit of disobedience, every spirit of witchcraft in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I command you to take your hands off their minds, off their emotions off the trauma from their past in Jesus name spirit of witchcraft I see you and you must go in Jesus name Father we repent we repent for partnering with rebellion we repent for partnering with stubbornness God I ask that you would just give us fill us with a gentle spirit fill us God with hope Fill us with peace. I just declare that there will be no lingering effects in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Satan, <laughs> we're telling you to pack your bags, but not you're not going on a two-week vacation. You're packing your bags, and you're out for good in the name of Jesus. No longer to return in Jesus' name. Manipulation gone in the name of Jesus. Intimidation, gone in the name of Jesus. Rejection, spirit of rejection, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. You have no authority on a son. You have no authority on a daughter. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we just give it up for Jesus this morning? Amen. All right, well, you have been to Double Church today. Now everyone may run to the bathroom. No one will think you're a witch. We love you. Have a great week. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. We'll see you Wednesday, 6.30, 7.30 for Awaken, or next Sunday, 10.30 a.m. God bless you. We love you.